I'm recording. You are being recorded. <laughs> Do you consent to being recorded? No. How about that? <laughs> My and name then- is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. But we just, like, ended the podcast there. It's like, I do not re- consent to being recorded. Like, burn notice. Outro music. Oh, God. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to have more good days than bad. Aw. And this is Burn <laughs> Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we'll be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone who has ever graced the presence of the burn notice halls please get in touch you can send us questions suggestions compliments and no criticism of any kind of brie castellini in particular mm-hmm. at burn notice podcast at gmail.com or to our twitter at burn noticed pod and as always that's a burn notice with, with a, a d, d. <laughs> Oh, so I'm not going to make you talk about your bad days. Uh, you can, because I the reason I mentioned it is because my, my thing for this week's intro is that I, I've been doing a mood tracker app oh, since, okay. like, early this summer, and it, like, tracks it. So, like, you can see my mood chart from week to week. How did... Okay, how does it track it? So, I at the end of every day, I add a, a thing. So, like, today is mostly over, so I'm going to add an entry for today. So, how am I today? I would say I'm fine. I have to record burn notice, so how good of a day can it actually be? Um, I love you too. Yeah, I mean, are you having a good day? Or are you having, like, this is a day? This is a day. Right? So I'm having a... So, like, my options... I have five options. There's, like, two pretty good, two pretty bad, and then one, like, it's a neutral day. Yeah, exactly. Because I also... I'm uh, thinking about other stuff that I had to do earlier and stuff that I'll have to do later. So for the purposes of this demonstration, I'm clicking fine. And then um, it asks what you've been up to so that I can, like, personalize it. So, like, uh, I did podcasting today. I've I've customized this, like, activity thing. Um, I also had to work because I forgot about something before uh, i'm very tired i definitely did not sleep very well and i'm seeing a friend uh and i'm gonna game later today so i i check off the things i can also add a note and a photo so you know what i'm gonna add a photo i'm gonna take a photo to put with my my day so look there you are i look very i've added it i can also add a note i don't i don't feel the need to do that today no. but yeah so then it tracks it so like i can look at day to day and like see pictures i took um, but it's also, I think, intended to kind of keep track of, like, what days are you feeling worst on? Like, are did you do or not do a particular activity most yeah. often? And you can kind of, like, look at your day like that. You can also, like, look at your stats, like I said. So, like, this past week has been not good. <laughs> not good, Bob. Not good. You can, like, see your mood count. It'll tell you how many, like, so, like, last week I worked six days out of the seven days that there were in the week. I gamed on four days. I felt very tired. So it's like, hmm, maybe there's a correlation between working and being tired and having a bad day. (laughs) So it keeps track of that. And then I also find it helpful to, like, be able to look. So, like, yeah, so on days where I'm fine, I'm usually working or podcasting or tired. On uh, days that are... Uh, frustrated. It's usually because I'm working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like it, it gives you little stats like that. So you can kind of just keep track, stay accountable. 
if you're like, how long have you been feeling bad? Because like I, I had a, if you'll remember, a cough for like quite a long time. Yeah. And I, I got it around the time I started using the mood tracker app so I could actually look through the days that I felt bad and could so like the, track the, how long the sickness was. And, so the app gave you the cough? Yes. No. Like I, I started coughing around the same time that I started using the app. And so then I could like tell my doctor like, oh, I've been feeling bad for 78 days in a row. That must be the day that like I really got the cough like really badly. Got it. The day that you got the app? Well, not the day, but like around, around the same time. Like I had the app for a couple of It sounds of like this app gave you a cough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I, I like it because it, it sort of keeps me accountable. And like when I look at it, it gives me a little weekly report every week. And I can see like how my week compared to the week before. And like, you know. I don't know if I like this or hate it. I like it because, you know, it helps me like, especially when if I have a really bad week and then... I start my period and mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, oh, I was having a pretty good week. And then all of a sudden I stopped having a good week and then I felt better today and I started my period. And it's like, oh, okay. So like it, it helps yeah. you contextualize what's going on. It helps you keep track of like, this is the day that I found out that I didn't get this job. This is, you know. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I, I really do. The thing that makes it useful to me is the fact that, like, I don't remember my own life mm-hmm. Yeah, all. that's also helpful. Like, yeah, I don't remember my own life. I don't remember how long it's been since I was, like, upset about something that mm-hmm. something happened. Yeah. So, like, that I could see it being useful. But also, like, I also kind of hate it. I also definitely would not, would constantly forget to do it. Well, you can set it to, like, send you a notification. Yeah, but then I'd just be getting a notification, and half the time that's annoying. Remember... Remember when notifications used to be, like, an unequivocal good? hmm Now notifications, most of the time, are, like, something annoying. And I hate that. I mean, I'm pretty clear on what I get notifications on and what I don't. I'm pretty good at, like, keeping track of that. Yeah. But, yeah, I also like that, you know, because you can add photos and stuff, you can kind of, like, look back through and, like, contextualize when things were happening. I can see that, though. That makes sense. It also, not for nothing, like, forces me to think about how I'm feeling, on a day-to-day right. basis. Yeah, that's exactly. I think also people generally use it to like try to set habits because like if you have to like check, did I exercise today or something? You know, yeah. you can kind of see how long it's been since you've exercised. And for people who are trying to like start or break a habit, yeah, I sure that I, like I'm not working on a habit right now, but like I can imagine that being right. this being a useful way to integrate that into that. But also, it's like for me at least, it's very helpful to like be forced to think about like. Do I actually feel bad? Or And sometimes like I'll be in the middle of the day and I'm like, if I had to put my mood down to right now, it would not be good. What are things I can do to, at least by the end of the day, make it fine? And so like days that are fine usually are days that like I painted or wrote on because I like in the middle of my day, I realize this is a rough day. So I can either commit to just like having a bad day or I can try to at least make it a little bit less bad by like, you know what? After work, I'm not going to do any additional work. I'm going to play a video game. I'm going to paint for a little while. like, And that usually does make my mood fine that's, by the end. That's fascinating. Because I don't think I would need an app for that. Now, you also feel things, I think. I, yeah, that's also often. part of it. Um, I, I overly intellectualize my yeah. life to the point where I'm not really feeling anything. Exactly. So I, I can see how that's useful. It's really hard sometimes for me to like look at things like this app that are kind of about systemization Mm -hmm. that aren't also about optimization. And like, I, I have a really negative reaction to like 
optimization culture. I think it's more accountability culture, at least the way that this app is set up. It's like keeping track and being accountable for like, but it's also like accountable to what to you yeah like like, you because you can customize like like obviously podcasting isn't a automatic thing that you can have put in there so like i customize it to what are the things that i spend my time doing that i will likely have to keep track of you know to to help me have better data at the end and yeah but then like why yeah so that I know, so that I remember like, oh, it's been a couple of weeks since I podcasted or okay, it's been a couple yeah. of weeks since I painted and I've been feeling really crappy. Maybe because I know I like that and because like, you know. That it, makes sense. Like that kind of stuff. I could see that. Anyway, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Um, well, this isn't a fucking commercial. Pay it me. It feels like it's a commercial is the thing. Yeah, I just needed a reason to talk about something during the intro that where I could talk about. I'm having a rough time, but we didn't have to talk about why I'm having a rough time. Exactly. Instead, so instead I could, you could like I could talk about cataloging my emotions with yeah. an app. The thing is that like you've talked about this app in great detail. That it is going to be very weird if you don't say the name of the app. Do you know what I mean? Venmo me ten dollars and I'll tell you the name of the app. Brie <laughs> Castellini on Venmo. I'm the only Brie Castellini on Venmo. Venmo me ten dollars and I'll tell you the name of the app. That's fair. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> So what are we talking about this week? I think we're talking about burn at us. Ugh, I know. Burn at us. I would not have pegged who wrote this episode. Oh, well, yeah. This episode, season six, episode eight, Unchained, which aired on August 9th, 2012, was written and directed by Alfredo Barrios Jr. I would, like, when I saw that after the fact, after watching it, I would not have guessed that. I actually didn't hate this episode. I, I had a good time with it. I, I also had didn't to, recap it. So Yeah, I had to recap it. What I think is most fascinating about this episode is that this is full, uncut, unfiltered Barrios. Like, normally Barrios is, has to be filtered through a director, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, this is him. Like, this is the thing that he wants to do. Barrios this, fully loaded? This is Barrios fully loaded, and this is what we get. Uh, it is goofier than you would think. Yeah, that was the thing. It's like it was. It seemed to be having more fun than yeah. Alfredo Barrios Jr. episodes usually are. And it's and it, that makes me curious. Like I'm very curious. Like is this what he always wants? I don't know. Is but this like, him trying something new? Yeah. Is I don't know what this is um, because it's still clearly him. Like it's more fun, but it's still him. I'll be honest. I spent a lot of this episode adding the like eighteen aliases to the burn notice wiki, so maybe I wasn't paying attention as closely as I possibly should have. Well, then that's fine because we're about to go in the weeds, and I'll explain it to you. Great. All right. So, so yeah, we. St- but first, we but we can't go into the weeds yet. Oh, it's, you no. always try to get into the weeds before it's here's, time. Here's the thing. I think this part's dumb. This part's for Tony, a person who is the only one who is allowed to make comments about this show, as has been established. The premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is to help the FBI take down a vicious Boston mobster, Michael gets himself arrested. Jesse and Pierce run into trouble while investigating a gun sale. Mm-hmm. All right, now we can go in the Gets himself arrested is an interesting way of putting what happened. Yeah. Because he does it. They make it look like he got arrested, but, like, this implies that, like, he does something where he gets himself legit arrested. Right. Yeah, that's not what happens. No, that's not what happens. I find IMDb, this to be... you're falling down on the job. Yeah, come on, IMDb. Let's get started. So, Michael is outside the loft on the phone with an FBI bureaucrat. Ugh. Ugh. The system. The system. Who won't let... 
who won't tell him anything about Nate's case and Michael gets pissy. So And then Fee walks out and dunks on bureaucrats as well and calls them like some name. I forget what it was, but it's very clear. We hate bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. So like there is some barrios in here. I guess. I mean, that just feels like a thing that Bernotis does. I mean... Bernotis hates bureaucrats. I mean, it does, Bernotis but like... hates bureaucrats galactica. Anyway, Fee comes out and suggests that maybe you should do your own investigation into Nate's death, which, like, is that not what we were doing? Well, we we got rid of one suspect, and then I guess we're going to let the authorities take care exactly. of it. Exactly. It seems really weird. That, that they weren't already going to be investigating? Yeah, it seems very strange. No, like, again, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense because it is Nate, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, again, uh, yeah, like, Fee was in prison, and Michael would not stop. Nate got killed... My, Michael's like, let's let the FBI handle this. <laughs> I'm sure they've got this. I can't be bothered. Like, it would be one thing if it was like, Pierce told them that if they investigate and get caught, like, you know, something will happen, she'll lose it. Like, like, exactly. like, it feels like Pierce has the authority here to be like, listen, they have like really good leads. Like, I have, I have been informed that like things are going well, like just keep out of it. Like, yeah, but even then, like, he would have to, it would make more sense if he had gotten got involved and it went badly and he was told not to. Like, it makes no sense that Michael would just be like, yeah, no, the FBI can handle this. Except it does make sense because it's Nate. <laughs> like, Yeah, the, like, the meta-narrative that we know, which is that everyone hates Nate, including the writers of Burn Notice. Yeah, sure, this tracks. But, like, in the universe of Burn Notice, it really does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Anyways. But again, it also seems very confusing because last week... It seemed like everyone was trying to find Nate's killer. Like, that was already the... Well, I guess specifically they were trying to find Rebecca, who nobody knows that they were working with. So, like, if they think Rebecca's the killer, they're the only ones that can go after her because they're not supposed to be in contact with her. She's a burned spy. But, again, it felt like they were going to find Nate's killer, decided it was Rebecca, but they were already on track to find Nate's killer. Yeah. No, like... It's very weird that last week it was their job, but now it's not. But now it is again. Yeah. It's very weird. And it's, this is a month later, they say. Mm -hmm. They say that the FBI has been investigating this for a month. I assume Michael's been distracted, just getting laid daily, nightly, ever so rightly. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But anyway, but he does say that if he does get involved... Fee can't be involved. No involvement for Fee. So once again, I don't know if you guys remember from last year, but Michael's been very weird about Fee not getting involved because she's already done too much. He can't lose her too, et cetera, et cetera. So that continues here. So anyway, Michael's next move is to stalk an FBI agent named Sexton to a bar and corners him on his way to the restroom and asks him about the case. And when he says no, he just pulls a gun on him. <laughs> like, Michael just pulls a gun on him, and Sexton's like, okay, calm down. And then it works. <laughs> and he's like, listen, there's nothing to tell. The case got shut down. Sorry. Yeah, he says, like, yeah, no, they, they shut it down. Like, this agent apparently is the only person who cares about Nate's death, because he was like, <laughs> I didn't want him to shut it down. We were like, we were real pissed. Seems like your brother got a real raw deal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but again, Michael just, like, has no plan here. Mm-mm. He literally just pulls out a gun and then, like, threatens to shoot this guy in the hallway if he doesn't give him information on Nate. Which, again, this is weird and unhinged, which would make sense if, if it he... Was, if, like, Nate had just died or if he's been yeah. investigating and has, has been hitting a brick wall. Exactly. But apparently he's been doing nothing for a month. 
Except for getting da- laid daily, nightly, never so rightly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, like, they have this conversation. He tells them that, yeah, the ca- case is closed. And then the security guard shows up, just like, hey, I have a gun, too. What's up? <laughs> and Sexton's like, it's fine. It's fine. This Everyone... is actually normal, and yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's normal. It's fine. <laughs> In fact, this is how Michael should have been acting after his brother died. Exactly. Frankly, it's weird it took this long. Don't you agree, security guy? Again, he was just, like, living in, like, a kind of post-orgasm haze, like, for a month. <laughs> so Michael goes back to the loft, and Pierce is there with Sam and Fee, and Pierce is pissed because he pulled a gun on an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. And Michael insists that he was just speaking with a gun in his hand, and then it makes a point that he has a legal right to own and carry a gun. I mean, I guess he's back technically in the good graces of the CIA. I know, but this, again, this just... This is what I feel is Barrios. Although it has been like eight episodes since he's actually done anything with the CIA unrelated to his own independent investigating. I know. But it just feels like Michael's being like, I'm just exercising my Second Amendment rights that I have. I guess. Thank you. Contextualizing it in the, this is an Alfredo Barrios Jr. episode makes sense. That that tracks. But it is. But even the way that he says it, he's like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's like. Gun that is my legal right to have. Like, I have the right to bear arms. Yeah. Because America says so. Exactly. But, but isn't it weird that he's like technically in the CIA again and they haven't done any CIA missions this season? It's been several seasons. The only thing he's Maybe done... that's what he was doing for the month. I mean, I guess they like yeah. CIA was involved in the Anson hunt to an yeah. extent. For a while it, that was what they were doing. But it seemed like that was more of like Pierce's pet project and that's not like necessarily all that the CIA actually cares about. I mean... I mean, yeah, but I guess that, like, for a while, like, he was just on assignment on that project. I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah. It is weird that he hasn't done that much other CIA stuff. Yeah, and and the CIA hasn't been like, your pet project can take a break, we have other needs. But, like, no, the only thing he's done is Anson hunting and helping Pierce with, like, a side hustle. Right, yeah, that's weird. Well, again, I don't know, it's just, they know that Michael doesn't like to work. (laughs) And they're happy to oblige him. Yeah. Anyways. Yes, he makes a point that he has a legal right to bear arms. Mm -hmm. And then also, then he explains that, hey, the case got shut down. No one in the scene is surprised that the case has been shut down. I mean, it's neat. (laughs) But again, but it seems like everyone in this room already knows. Mm -hmm. Like, the way that he comes in, like, because Sam already has a lead on where he can get, like, the case file for like Nate's case file, like he's so he already knows. Pierce is like, well, obviously, <laughs> like Pierce is like, obviously they were gonna shut it down because it's like, super embarrassing for us. It exactly, makes us look like shit, Michael. I and know. Also, it's Nate. I'll see exactly, and so like it becomes this thing where Michael's like, am I the only one who's surprised by this? Except he doesn't actually have that reaction, but Mm-mm. but he should because everyone's just like, well, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but Sam has a plan. He has a, an FBI buddy who has Nate's case file, and he'll get it if he helps him do his own little thing. Mm-hmm. And his own little thing, of course, is catching a bad guy who is a gang leader, who is a real bad guy. But, the, but here's the twist. This time, he's Irish, and he's from Boston. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Well, his name is the same name as my fiance. So that's, that's true. Boss. Yeah. Yeah. There's the big boss who they've been trying to catch for years, whose name is Quinn. Mm-hmm. And then he has a right-hand man named Jimmy, who is in Miami right now. So this is, like, a lead to catching this guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, they know he's guilty because they already have, like, an informant that they flipped, mm-hmm. who, like, apparently got super attempted assassinated. Sure. Yeah, or something like that, because he is in a hospital now. Mm-hmm. And we know that because we go 
we go to this hospital to meet Sam's FBI guy, who is Agent Woods. And he is, like, just watching over this guy, this witness that he has flown into this hospital in Miami, because as soon as they arrest this guy, he's going to testify. So immediately, Sam and Michael decide that the only plan is Jimmy, the second, hand, the second guy, second guy in charge, needs to get arrested with Michael mm-hmm. and then escape so that they can lead him to Quinn. So is the problem at this point not that they like know where Quinn is and he's untouchable, but it's they literally can't find Quinn. They cannot find Quinn. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause like I was a little confused by this whole setup. It just seemed like a lot of things were going on. It seemed like a lot of things were going on and, and people were just speaking bald exposition. Yeah. And it felt like they, they had arrested legally Jimmy. So like, I don't know, get Jimmy to turn on him or something. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, the thing is when they arrest Jimmy, which we'll see, like, it sounds like they don't have great charges for Jimmy, and they can. Well, it sounds like more that Jimmy thinks they don't have great charges. I don't know if I find Jimmy to be a trustworthy source. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, so they explain that they're going to have to arrest Jimmy, get Michael arrested too, and then have Jimmy lead him to Quinn. Uh, Agent Woods hates this. Mm-hmm. Well, he's by the books. He's by the books, yeah. He's by course. the books, Woods. Exactly. He hates, like, anything that is in any way a deviation from the books at all. Even though, isn't he, like, actively asking for their help? Yeah, it's very weird. His by the books has not worked so far. Exactly. But he's by the books. That is his character. That is all that he is. Mm -hmm. But, like, and so he agrees to Michael's plan. But Michael says, but first, you gotta give me that file. And I thought he was gonna say, you get it when you finish the mission. But no, he's just like, yeah, here, take it. <laughs> this seems like a case you can totally double, exactly. like, uh, multitask on. I trust Sam. I'm sure you'll actually do this case. Mm-hmm. I'll just give you the only thing I, the only leverage that I have. <laughs> uh, anyway, but that's fine because it's Michael and he's committed to doing the job. Because he's also not by the books, but he's a good man. Yeah, exactly. He's a good man. He's a stand-up guy. Which means that actually investigating Nate's murder falls to Jesse and Pierce. Yeah. So Jesse and Pierce look over Nate's case file, and there's not a lot of useful info there. All Jesse can find is the make of the sniper rifle, and I'm guessing just the serial number, perhaps, of this particular sniper rifle. So obviously, the only play is to blackmail the VIP of sales from the company who makes the gun and have him tell you where the gun is, right? Right? That's obviously it, right? That's the only thing that you can do. I mean, they they are having to do this off the books. They are. (laughs) You know, they can't invoke the CIA because if the guy mentions anything about the CIA, they're like, hey, the CIA doesn't investigate this. And the FBI closed this down. Yeah. Anyway, so they they don't have have time to find anything incriminating to blackmail this guy with. So they just got to make something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do like the only thing that Bernos ever does, which is get someone drunk, eventually drug them, and then put him get it, photos of him in compromising exactly. positions. And now Pierce is going to come because <laughs> she got helped with her shit, so she's got to help with this. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like, I love it how Michael is not involved in this at all. Mm-mm. Doesn't even really check in. No, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to care that this is happening. He doesn't even care that Nate's dead. Exactly. <laughs> but it's so weird, though, because, like, it, which it makes it so weird for her to be like, you helped me with my problem. When it seems like Nate is no one's problem. <laughs> but it's fine because I like these two as a pair. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I want to see them have high Yeah, things. and there's a couple moments here where I started to feel like, oh, no, I do feel a vibe. Yeah, no, there's a vibe. Because there's a moment when, like, Jesse is is being Jesse on, like, Mike. And Pierce is, like, in a different room listening in, like, on, on a on the bug or whatever. Like she's listening to him do his little bit and she does a little smile. Yeah. Cause he's doing a, he's doing a Jesse. 
Or maybe I'm just attracted to both of these people. That's true. And I think this would be hot. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be. Uh, anyway, so meanwhile, Michael broods at the loft and Fee shows up dressed up like a, bo- a Boston gangster girlfriend and does a terrible accent and it's never going to get better. Nope. And it's great. It's, no it's 100% one the, perfect. No one on this show can do a Boston accent and the whole <laughs> episode revolves around it. But yeah, so Michael t- tries to discourage her from coming and being part of this mission because, of course, it could be dangerous. And Fee says, since when do we care about danger? And Michael's like, since Nate died. And like... At this point, I think Michael's more upset that it's his fault. Mm-hmm. I think I think Michael's real upset because now, like, he's in trouble with mom. Mm-hmm. More than the fact that Nate died. And frankly, that does feel like it has higher stakes for the rest of the show. It does. <laughs> than Nate's death. Uh, then Fee gives a big speech about doing the right thing, about how, like, Nate was doing the right thing and was trying to like help something bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's not of, Michael's fault. Yeah. And of course she's coming. Fuck uh, you. Let's go. Exactly. Cause I'm going to be just like Nate and do the right thing. No, it is sort of funny. And I didn't think about this at the time that like, she's like Nate volunteered because he knew he was doing the right thing. And to be very clear. The right thing was getting her out of prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, also tracking down Anson, and like an international down. bad guy. Exactly. Who's ruined many, many lives. But I just, like, I didn't think about that till just now, that there is a little bit of self-serving there. Sure. Um, anyway, so Sam and Agent Woods arrest Jimmy, who is rightfully like, yeah, this is dumb. This is a dumb arrest. This is like a gun charge or something. Like, and they put him in the car with Michael, who, uh, who has a tracker in his belt, we have established. Mm-hmm. And then Michael, they put him in alone. Like, Jimmy and Michael. And Michael immediately starts talking in his bad Boston accent and asking, like, Jimmy all these very invasive questions about his boss and, frankly, being incredibly suspicious. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy rightfully wants nothing to do with him. Then, as they're being driven to, like, the station or holding or whatever, Fee comes up behind them and runs them off the road in a car crash that... Easily could have injured everyone involved. I know. It was like, at first it was super slow. So I was like, oh, I guess he's just sort of driving off the road and maybe he, and then I'm like, no, nope, the, the car flips. flips. The car flips. It's very dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous, but everyone's fine. And then she shoots the doors with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And then like, and, and like, it does get a great, like, here's the thing. Alfredo Barrios Jr. as a director is framing things to look as cool as possible. Like that is his only thought during any of this is, does this look badass? Mm-hmm. Like, that is it. So, like, V comes out of the car with a shotgun looking badass as hell. Bree has pulled up a screenshot of it because it is really good. It's and she's dressed good. up like, she's dressed up like a gangster girlfriend. It's great. She's wearing, like, a half corset. Yeah. I feel like if this show was written by women, Fee would be in corsets more. Yeah. Like, I feel sense. like that would be more her aesthetic. And yeah. I really like it. No, it's very good. But yeah, she shoots the doors. And gets to get Michael out. And Michael's like, you better come because they're going to think this is your idea. And then Agent Woods is like, hey, Jimmy, I think this is your idea. That was a very funny exchange. <laughs> and Jimmy's like, yeah, I'll come. But it's almost exactly that. He's like, it's almost literally word for word that. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, this is now that you're really recapping and I'm like. Yeah, I mean, I got very swept up in the Boston accent and, like, Fiona Corset yeah. trying to hear everyone's name. Her name is Dawn, by the way. She's it not just a Dawn. gangster da- 
girlfriend. She's Dawn. She's Dawn. Which I needed to know so I could put it in the burn notes. Of course. <laughs> but now that you're really recapping this, I'm like, oh yeah, this doesn't make any fucking sense. That makes no sense. That's some Barrios um, bullshit right there. So they go to a hotel room that has a color scheme. Let me, this is a really, I don't know where they found this hotel room, but it's very, there's a lot of pastels, really nice like, dra- like drapes, but it's like a lot of colors. Hmm. But like, it's like one of those like hotel rooms that's like, it's like, and it's definitely a motel that does not need to be as colorful than it is. It's like, it's like how every once in a while on Supernatural, they'd want to change up the hotel room. Like, because it does look a bit like a child's room. Oh, yeah. It's very past. I guess I didn't really take yeah. this in. I was more looking at the Boston accents and, and the, I like, think, corset. And speaking of accents, there is, like, an accent wall. Like, there's, behind them, there is this, like, wallpaper. Like, it's all very coordinated. It's, like, these kind of, like, blues and purples. And like, it's like, yeah, there's like a green accent wall and a lamp. Like it's very well put together. Yeah, it's a, it looks like a it looks like a like an oceanside motel. Yeah. Um, but it was I was surprised with the amount of thought went that went into this hotel room. Anyway, so Jimmy's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And Michael's like, "I'm a rat." And then, <laughs> frankly, there's a pause that's not very long, but is also too long, where he says. But for but like for the other side, yeah, he's a he's a criminal rat, yeah, a rat exactly. for criminals. They're rat for criminals. He explains that he knows where they're keeping the guy who ratted on Quinn, and he wants to sell that from information to Quinn and only to Quinn. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the other entrapment plot, <laughs> Jesse approaches Wayne Myerson, gun salesman and party animal. Except he doesn't want to party tonight. It's unclear how much he is a party animal. Like he does kind of get into it in places. But like, it well, feels the like... assumption is sales guys have to be party animals. Exactly, you got to you got to be willing to do anything to get the sale. Yeah, but even then, that's like a different. They keep calling him a party animal. Like, like they are approaching this guy because he is a particularly party guy. Mm-hmm. But like throughout the episode, he is not wanting to party really. No, but like yeah. So Jesse approaches Wayne and says, "Hey, we should hang out. I remember you from somewhere." He's like, no, I have I have meetings. I have my wife. I got to go to bed. I don't feel great. He's like, oh, but I might buy guns from you. I work with the Pentagon. And he's like, oh, well, you can't let you can't let a sale go. So he has to go with Jesse. Mm-hmm. The thing that's amazing about this plot is the extent to it, which they are actively just fucking with this guy's life. Mm-hmm. Like, I like it when Bernotis does this though. When Bernotis is just like, you know what? There's not a high ground here. We're just gonna go for it. We're just gonna ruin this man's life. I do enjoy that. Uh, so Chessie takes him to a strip club. I also think that now knowing it's a Barrios' episode kind of contextualizes that I bet Barrios has a real low opinion of people who are considered party animals. Yeah. So maybe the repeated emphasis of like, this guy likes to party. Exactly. And therefore is morally compromised. Exactly. Which is why they immediately go to a strip, cl- a strip club and just to confirm that he is a party animal, he does make a point of like spanking a stripper's ass just so we know He's still, like, a bad guy. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, there's, like, no, there is that real sort of, like, moralizing fascination with the strip club, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, like, this is a this is a den of debauchery that mm-hmm. we're in right now, but look at it. Oh, my God. Like, once they're in the strip club, and then Wayne says, I have to go, I have a meeting, and just, like, fuck that shit, more strippers, <laughs> and shoves Wayne's face into a stripper's breath. And while he's distracted by the breasts, mm-hmm. by doing, frankly, some of the worst motorboating I've ever seen in my life. 
That's probably really awkward to motorboat a woman that you've just met. And yeah. I'm not talking about Wayne. I'm talking about this poor actor and actress. That's very true. This girl comes in, like, dreaming of being an actress. And, like, her gig is to be a stripper who gets motorboated. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, but while he's distracted, uh, Jesse uh, drugs Wayne's drink. And then Wayne takes the drink, and then Jesse buys him a lap dance. And while that's going on, he calls Pierce, who is bugging Wayne's hotel room. It's unclear why she is bugging Wayne's hotel room, other than it will become plot important later. But it's unclear why they need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, guess just so she can perform backup for Jesse. I guess, which is what she does. But it's but weird it's- that he can't just like yeah, like just turn on his cell phone and put it on speakerphone. Yeah, and or she like, just, like listens from the next room again. Or why it's unclear that like we need audio of him talking. Yeah, because it's not like they're going to turn it in anywhere. Exactly, their whole game is that they take compromising photos of him. Exactly, that's it. Yeah, that is weird. It's a weird detail. Yeah, again, it's only because later she needs to hear the conversation. But like, but again, she, Jesse could have just turned his cell phone on. Yeah, exactly. It's un- put her on speakerphone. He's not getting patted down for a wire. This guy's like waking up from a drug haze. He's exactly. not gonna check. But yeah, Jesse tells her that be quick because this guy is already kind of dozing. We watch the guy like about to pass out while he's getting like a lap dance, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> they have like. Like, he's about to pass out. Like, there's a lot of really hazy consent stuff happening at this moment. Well, he consented as he was falling asleep. Yeah. Oh, we don't need to get into that. (laughs) Anyway, so, meanwhile, Jimmy finally gets a call from Quinn and tells Fee and Michael that they're going to meet Quinn in person now. So they steal a car, but they get uh, trapped going through a police checkpoint. So they have to, like, run through the checkpoint and drive into a parking garage while cops chase them, and then Fee sets the car on fire, and they escape on foot. That's all very exciting. Mm -hmm. He shoots this fine. Like, again, he does seem to be someone who's, like, real excited that he gets to move a camera around. There's a lot, there's a real feeling, and I think maybe that's why this episode feels goofier, is that, like, there's a real, like, kid in a candy store feeling Mm -hmm. to this episode. Because it's, like, like, Alfredo's like, all right, now it's Barrio's time. <laughs> I mean, I did have fun with this episode. It's like, there's going to be, there's going to be strippers. <laughs> there's going to be Second Amendment rights. <laughs> oh, my God. And then later, uh, Agent Woods is pissed that all this has happened. Agent Woods, who is so by the book that, like, things have changed slightly. And he's like, never mind, we're shutting all of this down. <laughs> It's like, has nothing ever gone wrong with you ever? What the hell? Apparently not. But like, Sam convinces him not to pull the plug. So Jimmy takes them to a warehouse where a van is waiting to take Michael to Quinn. And just Michael, no Fee. Fee has to stay with two of Jimmy's goons. What's more, Michael has to take off all of his clothes because the one time that Quinn got busted by a cop, the cop had a microphone in his shoe. Michael looks completely lost for way too long after getting this information and then immediately says, well, I want my clothes. Can I keep my lucky belt? But in a bad, like, Boston accent. Mm-hmm. Like, he was literally like, this one guy had a wire in his shoes. Like, can I keep my belt, though? <laughs> I just like my belt. I wicked love my belt. 
<laughs> in the most suspicious way possible. No one questions this, but it's like, you can't have your belt. <laughs> like, again, they don't let him have the belt, but they also don't question why he cares so much about the belt. That's lucky. Exactly. And even though they've literally just said, sometimes people, cops have tried to get in there. Like, they don't, they're not listening to themselves talk. Anyway, Michael asks for a moment alone with for Fee and him to talk it over. And Michael's like, I can't leave you here. Danger. And Fee's like, I'm fine. It's not that much danger. And there's nothing we can do anyway. I can take these guys. Just give me, just let me know when you're ready for me to take these guys. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, Sam and Agent Woods, like, track the signal to a trash can. And are like, well, fuck. And it's also really funny to me that, like, Woods seems much more calm here, even though this is wait the like worst case scenario that he was worried about. Mm-hmm. He was like so pissy earlier, but now he's just like, oh. Uh, Sam's been Sam's been in his ear. Yeah, Sam's talked him down. Now he's exactly. just going with the flow. We know what it's like when Sam has someone in a car for a while. <laughs> yeah, now they've been pretending to be fake married. The way exactly. that they got to this trash can is that they just like walk by someone. And we're like, by the way, we're totally married. It's our honeymoon. We love trash can diving. Where is your nearest trash can? we're married did you hear this is mr finley and i'm also mr finley we're both finleys (laughs) we're twin finleys but nothing but nothing you know incesty no (laughs) meanwhile jesse sits and waits for wayne to wake up who freaks out and says that he needs to call his wife but jesse says well he texted her and it's fine but it won't be fine because he's got all of these pictures of him with strippers and she's not going to want to see those. So Wayne asks what Jesse wants. And he says he wants the records of every sniper sale in the last year. Then Wayne gets cocky like, no thanks, my dad pays off all the cops. This won't work. Right, And this is where I started to get questioning. Like, but was it cops that were worried about? I assumed you don't want Jesse to show this to your wife. Exactly. How is your dad's influence over the cops related at all to the infidelity yeah, it like it seems like the best way I can parse this is that because I also had this problem is that before he said that it was about the the business, the dad wouldn't get involved and he doesn't want his dad to know. Mm-hmm. But like the second that his dad has to be involved because it's his dad's company, then like oh, well you're screwed. You've got nothing because my dad won't stand for this. Like <laughs> my Papa won't stand for this. Yeah. Like, regardless of, like, my marriage or whatnot, you are just screwed. Well, I already didn't call her one night. I guess I can just never call her again. Exactly. I can get another wife. (laughs) But I can't get another daddy. Yeah. Um, And it looks like it's going to go south, but then Pierce, who has been listening thanks to her bug, uh, comes in and says... Okay, but how about, but I know about all your dad's secret, super secret bank accounts, and I'll tell the other cops that are different cops about those bank accounts, and it'll be bad, and your dad will get arrested. And then Wayne's like, fine, <laughs> I'll give you the list of all the snipers. And that's basically that whole plot. Yep. <laughs> it's wild that he wouldn't just be like, yeah, sure, I guess. This is weird information to want, but like, fine. Anyone yeah. who's buying sniper rifles probably sucks. Sure, have them. It's so, yeah, this is all weird. It's wow. all weird. It's weird that Lauren Stamble doesn't let Jesse play with it. Like, why? And because, like, this is important, obviously, that, like, yeah. Lauren Samuel, like, shows up in person, shows her face to this man, and is like, hi, yeah. I know your daddy's bank account numbers. 
But it's stupid that she does. It's so stupid. Meanwhile, Quinn's guides hold Michael in a basement all tied up for an indeterminate length of time, which is implied to be a long time, but is also reasonably cannot have been a long time. Right. And then Michael finally meets Quinn, who tells him that either he tells them where the informant is, or he kills Fee. So Michael tells them the hospital where the informant is, because he's gotta. So after checking that this information is legit, but not killing the guy then Mm -hmm. but they do go and check to make sure that this information is legit well i'm I'm sure he's like under lock and key so it's probably a little bit more complicated there are two police guards there are two police because they do mention this later there's like a whole moment but yeah quinn is ready to play ball with michael like yeah no because there's jimmy goes up to him and is like we're gonna get him but what about those two security guards boss those cops boss and then like to show that quinn is a real bad guy is like you know what to do with them (laughs) he's gonna kill the cops (laughs) the cops brie and they're it's the a, good ones, not the bad ones that the sniper guy's daddy owns. Yeah. Or the guy from last week owns. Just guys who are doing their job. Yeah, there feels like no shortage of dirty cops. Yeah. But that has led to absolutely no like reflection no, yeah. from anyone on this staff who has gone on to write continually like masturbating cop stories. Exactly. Like again, there's this fetishization of like these guys are just doing their job. Yeah, but their job sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, their job and sucks. And also, it sucks enough that, like, enough of them are bad and dirty that that yeah. becomes a, like, continuous thorn in your side that means you can't go to them. And it's like, who's picking this job? This job sucks. Like, think about the kind of people that are, that are volunteering to do this job. But yeah, anyway, Quinn is now ready to play ball with Michael. Michael says he wants to talk about maybe joining his crew, but he wants to talk terms outside of a basement and maybe with some scotch. So Quinn takes him outside out of his outside of his office. Around this point, Quinn is like, "You know, sorry, I was treating you kind of badly. I just get really paranoid because people are trying to catch me all the time." So then he, he then takes him upstairs. Michael looks out a window and comments suspiciously at length about the surrounding area. Yeah, it's and, really obvious. And like, it's like I bet it's beautiful at night. Where are we? Where are what is the street address of what this beautiful view is? Yeah, what are those buildings? What is that bridge called? <laughs> if I were coming from somewhere, not the police station, if I was trying to drive here from somewhere, how would I get here? Again, Quinn... Can, can you take a right turn on right on that, that, that intersection yeah. that I see up there? Is that allowed? What about yeah. U-turns? What if... What if... Like, what if I'm driving, like, a SWAT truck? Like, a big, heavy truck. Can trucks get over there? Is there, like, a weird sort of detour for trucks? Like, I'm talking, like, full-on SWAT team. Like, and meanwhile, Quinn's just like, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. <laughs> this is exactly where we are. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a pin from Google Maps so you exactly. know exactly where we are. And immediately after he does this, Michael's like, all right, now i got to call my girl. It's like, hey girl, here's where I am. We should come here. There's a, there's this bridge, and we're, we're like right here. Here, I'm gonna drop you a pin. <laughs> it is important at this point, and this like we glazed over it because like this whole plot is stupid. But like in the earlier scene when Michael is being pressed for the information about where the informant is, they they're on the phone with Fee's captors and they slap Fee. Yeah, like, they exactly. hit, they they rough her up, and then in this scene in. 
uh, an attempt to get Fee on the phone, he's like, hey, listen, no no big deal about hitting my girl around. I, I understand where you had to come from. You know, you got to play hardball, but like, you know, I got to keep up. I got to check up with my girl. Yeah, it's know? important to like, it's important for a guy to like look after his girl. Yeah, but it's also important for him in this moment to be like, it was fine that you hit her, but I should probably call and check in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is a moment that they have to do because it's bad guys. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, but yeah, so then he just describes exactly where he is to Fee, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Yeah, and everyone's like, aw, and that he, must be their baby talk. Yeah. And then he also mentions that, like, this. he mentions fire. Yeah, I, I think he's exactly, like, the, this view is fire. Except he doesn't say that because people weren't saying that then. <laughs> but he basically says that. But he that. basically says that. Uh, yeah, and then he hangs up. And then once Fee knows what's up and that fire is involved, the two of them in like they're on the phone. Each of them. Oh no no! no. This is actually very cute. The incredible. whole lead up is stupid. But then Michael, so Fee's like, so okay, so let me know when you're coming to get me, and or something to yeah. say like, are we ready to do this? And Michael's like, okay, fine. We'll count to like. He was like, no, you hang up first. All right, fine. We'll hang up at the same time. Three, and so like them yeah, doing the two. like high school like we're yeah. gonna hang up at the same time, and then they like they count three, two, one, and they both throw the phone at like one of the bad guys in the room, and then start just wailing on everybody, <laughs> like just beating the shit out of everyone they can see. Yeah, Fee's, it's violent Fee's, as hell. Fee's got a pillowcase full of beer. Yeah, Michael's got what does Michael have? His, his bare body. hands. Yeah. And like, just like, well, there's this one shot of Fee that she's like lunging at the camera. And it's just <laughs> well, because like, she like knocks that guy down, and then we see him like on the ground staring up at her, and then we shoot back from his POV of her like jumping off the bed to like wail on him one last exactly. time. Exactly, and it's just like, is this it? Is this, is this what you're into, Marius? <laughs> it is. I mean, I get it. <laughs> It's fun. I like this. Yeah. There's some like continuity issues in the fight that like I don't think the coverage was perfect and then sometimes they miss like some sound effects. Yeah. So it's like we see a guy fall and we don't hear anything but then we cut to another shot of somebody falling and we do hear something and I'm like so I can't tell how yeah, hard anyone's being hit. It's real sloppy but it has a great energy. Yes. Yeah. Um. So once Michael takes out all the bad guys that are like in that room in the office that they're in, he like locks the door so it's just him and Quinn, mm-hmm. and then like Jimmy and like a couple of other goons outside to start trying to get into the office. Uh, meanwhile, Fee calls Sam. Well, so the reason that they're trying to get into the office and the reason that oh, they yes, hear anything is because Michael makes a Molotov cocktail out of that right. yeah, scotch that, that they drank together, and he lights like a canopy on fire, exactly, which will be the signal. Exactly, that is a signal, so they know where to go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so he lights, he lights a building on fire, mm-hmm. Fee calls Sam, and he and Agent Woods, and tells, tells Sam and Agent Woods where they are, and that fire is involved. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a great moment later when they cut back to, like, Quinn, the, like, paranoid smart mob boss, it's like, I think that fire you lit may be some sort of signal. <laughs> I assume that wasn't just for show. Yeah. I, I know your game now. I think you're up to no good. <laughs> I think you might be a snitch for the other other side. <laughs> um, and so, like, Michael's holding off all the other bad guys who are trying to get in the room, but he he's almost out of bullets. And and then Jimmy and then Quinn yells, "He's all, you're almost out of bullets!" So the other guys on the other side of the door exactly. Are and then Quinn is like, "I'm not going back to prison. I don't care if you all kill me. Just shoot the shit out of this place." 
And so they do. They shoot the shit out of this place. But then Salmon would show up and everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And then there's a brief moment of like, oh no, did Michael get shot? But then Michael comes out with Quinn handcuffed. Yeah. Is he handcuffed or is he just like got a gun? Like, it's No, I weird. think he's handcuffed. Because I, I think he's handcuffed in the room with Michael. Oh. Where I, do you get the handcuffs? I don't know. I don't know. That just makes sense. He, I think he's got his hands tied. Got it. Meanwhile, after all that's done and everything's fine, back at the loft, uh, Jesse tells Michael that the sniper was sold to a security firm called the Pryon Group, and then he leaves, because he's like, I gotta go to job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to my job that I have. Exactly. Where I he's work like, and make money. So Fee gets Michael to admit that he couldn't have done it without her, and then offers to show him another thing that he can't do without her, and then the camera pans up. <laughs> This real, like, again, this episode feels like it was made by a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> that's that's consistent with what we know about Alfredo Barrios. Exactly. Jr. It really is. It's like, it is. It really, it feels so much more like a kid playing with toys than normal Alfredo Barrios Jr.'s feel. Like, they don't normally, they always feel so super serious. Mm-hmm. It feels like, it's possible that Alfredo Barrios Jr. is just naturally way goofier then we give him credit for, he just has this very weird, conservative, black and white morality that the sh- that directors love to focus on. Do mm, you think they're misinterpreting the tone? Exactly. Interesting. I don't know. It's the only way to make sense of watching this episode. Yeah, because it definitely does feel very different. Yeah. It's a lot less brutal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, so they have sex, <laughs> and then the next morning, there's a knock at the loft door, and both Fee and Michael sit up straight with guns in their hands, and it is very cute. Yeah, I love when they do that. It's, it is always very cute. Yes. His and hers. Yeah, but it turns out that it's Pierce outside, and uh, Pierce comes in, like, in a huff, and it turns out the CIA found out that she blackmailed that guy. Yeah, because he was, like, acting suspicious, and then the wife called someone? The yeah. wife was, like, a whistleblower? It's like, how does yeah, the no. wife know who fucking Warren well, no. Samuel is? Yeah, no, it's very unclear. Like, like she just said that, like, the CIA said something or whatever. I don't know, but they figured out it was her, because she was the one who had gone to that conference. Like, she had a reason. Oh, yeah, they sent her to the conference. They sent her to that conference. She was already going there. Mm-hmm. That's why they know it was her. Anyway, they find out that she blackmailed that guy, and while Michael is still in the clear because she just said she was doing some corporate espionage on the side, mm-hmm. which, again, that kind of makes me think that that's what they just assume Jesse is doing all the time. Like, maybe, like, when you're working in security and spy stuff, it's a lot of dudes just doing shit. Anyway, but so My- Michael's not in trouble. However, Pierce is in trouble. She is getting transferred to ant- an anti-drug counterfeiting task force, or like a making sure there's not counterfeit drugs or whatever, in Mumbai, and she leaves in a few hours, and she tells him to make sure that it was worth it, and leaves, and that is it for Agent Pierce. We never see her again. Wait, really? Yeah, that's her last episode. Damn it. I guess she didn't kill Nate, which is not interesting. I still think my my idea for who killed Nate is cooler, which is Lawrence Daniel killed him in the dining room with the candlestick. No, I just, I think it would have been a more interesting use of her. I, I, I mean, it's fair that, like, we don't have time to have another, like, full-time cast member. I imagine that's, like, yeah. expensive. You're right, yeah. But, like... And, like, she's got shit to do. She's, like, in demand, I guess. Yeah, she has probably better shows to be on. Yeah. But I am sad. I am sad, too. It's a sad write-off. I know. I always enjoyed having her on the show. Yeah, she brought a lot to it. I mean, I like yeah. when they have more than one woman, yeah. but they're not both, like, competing for Michael's exactly. affection. I liked that she was a platonic babe who maybe could be a Jesse love interest. Exactly. Because, yeah, it felt, again, like they were sort of seeding that. Like, there is definitely a chemistry there. There is. That no, is it's really... never realized. 
That's very sad. No, she has no more credited ep- no more credited episodes on IMDb. So, do we think that this means that canonically Jesse is ace? Because he doesn't talk about sex at all. He doesn't talk about women. He doesn't talk about dating. Sam, horny all the time. Michael, gray ace. Yeah. Maybe he is. My read is that there are two lead characters on Bird Notice who are asexual. I, you know, that tracks. That makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, because Jesse has never shown any interest. Well, I guess he showed interest in Fee. But I feel like that was more of like a, almost like a sort of Stockholm Syndrome-y thing. Yeah. Like a hero complex of like, you know, these people saved him from like certain burn. And I will say that like his interest in Fee never felt sexual. No, definitely didn't. Like, yeah, he could maybe have like a romantic interest in Fee. Mm -hmm. But like, it it did feel very like childlike almost. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like the way that he was talking well, about it. Well, because they were really playing up yeah. like Jesse is younger than all of us. Exactly. That was the thing. In that season, he was younger. That was the thing. And now he feels much so, like, more like a, an adult peer. Exactly. An adult sexless peer. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And with that, there's nothing left to do with spy tips. And then some other stuff. And some other stuff. There's nothing left to do at this point in the podcast but spy tips because there's nothing in the episode. Whether you're trying to run someone off the road or just trying to sell that you are... All it comes down to is the vehicle you use to do it. You want a light frame so you can maneuver faster than your target and a low center of gravity so you don't flip. Choosing the right car can mean the difference between a clean stop and a nasty spell. And I put this one on here because I was like genuinely, when they said the thing about center of gravity, I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Haven't we seen this before? I remember having a spy tip about low center of gravity. For like cars? I feel like yes. I mean, if it... Yeah, actually, for, like, a semi-truck. And, like... But it was, like, the opposite. It was, like, they have a... High center gravity. Yeah. I mean, well, does that mean that this one doesn't count? Because it's Like a light-framed lowrider use that to flip a car? Yeah. I mean, there's details. I feel like we've gotten this before. But, like, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care either. It can go away. As far as cold approaches go, there's nobody spies would rather deal with than salespeople. They're talkative, eager to please, and most meet too many people in a year to remember them all. And no matter what a salesman has going on, they can't bear to offend a potential customer. Yeah, I think this is useful. It's also like, if you need to get in good with me, just do this. Because like, as in the kind of thing that I do, I meet so many like filmmakers and stuff that like, if you tell me we've had a consultation and we've looked each other in the eyes and I've given you advice on your movie, I will say, yep, that tracks. Yeah. I've definitely been in situations where, like, people are, like, talking to me and it becomes clear, oh, apparently I know this person. I'm going into this situation thinking this is a stranger and they seem to very much know who I am. And then it becomes an incredibly awkward navigation. Yeah. And that's what makes so me a I'm good like spy. So I'm like a spy. Yeah. yeah. It's what makes me a good mark. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so just to, just saying. Which is why you have to learn all these spy tips. Exactly. Exactly. I got I to stay, gotta stay frosty like Quinn. Yeah, have a low center of gravity. I need a low center of gravity. Uh, meanwhile, um, next tip. Setting up blackmail is about more than knocking out your target out and snapping pictures of things he won't remember. It starts much earlier with all the things he will remember. You need to make sure that by the time you knock him out, he's ready to actually believe that he did anything. We. This is the same tip we have every single time we drug someone. Get him real drunk first and then drug well, him. But not get him so drunk that he doesn't remember. It's like not. It's not about the drunkness. It's about, like, the things that you're doing. Anyway, there's more. There's not, It's the same thing. 
Once it's time to spike your target's strength, the important thing is to control the dose. Mix too much sedative with alcohol, and you shut down the part of the brain that controls the heart and lungs, which means your target won't be sleeping, he'll be dead. I feel like that's an assumed part of all of these. Yeah, you think, yeah, it would be more helpful if you gave us, like, an the amount. Dosage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I understand why they did not give us the dosage. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah. But again, like, this is the exact same thing that we've done in at least three other Burn Dose episodes. Here's the thing. I don't remember. I don't remember the past. All right. There's always a risk when using a stolen car in an operation, but there are ways to minimize that risk. Take it from an employee parking lot during midday, and chances are it won't be missed for hours. You want an older model to avoid anti-theft devices and a common neutral color that won't attract attention. Of course, it doesn't matter how carefully you choose a car if you have to drive through a police checkpoint. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, no, that was, there's stuff there. There's stuff there. A car on fire makes a great diversion, but it takes a few minutes to get fully engulfed. If you don't have much time to spare... You find the closest burning materials that will create the most smoke, like old newspapers and fast food bags doused in hand sanitizer. Stuff them into rolled up rubber floor mats and you've created a vent that will focus the flames into one area. And the more focused the flames, the faster everything burns. Also useful. If you've been driven to a meeting with a, in a head bag, figuring out your location could be a challenge. If you know how long you were on the road, you can use local speed limits to calculate the general area. And if you can get to a window, local landmarks can narrow it down even further. It's, it's the sort of thing you learn in the Boy Scouts, except, except Boy Scouts rarely do it with a gun to their back. So, given how badly he got this information... Yeah. First of all, knowing local speed limits is nothing. That's nothing. Like, unless you're, like, Sherlock Holmes-level genius, I don't think that that is a replicable skill. Like, I know that Southern Miami has an average speed limit of 45 miles an hour. I was on the road for 30 minutes, approximately. So that means that I must have gone exactly 2.6 miles. Like, that's too much. I don't believe you. That's bullshit nothing. And second of all, given, again, how badly it was, ah, your, your view is beautiful. What bridge is that that gives me this beautiful view? I don't know. It almost feels like not the tip's fault. I mean, I don't know how I would implement it in a less obvious way, given that Burn Notice has only showed me the most obvious way. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. It's um, like sometimes tips are enhanced by the scene that they're in. Sometimes that they're not. All right. Well, fuck that tip then. Fuck that tip. All right. A good defensive position is known as a force multiplier. One man can hold off three others as long as he can remain well protected while keeping up a steady stream of suppressing fire. Only problem is doing that requires a lot of ammunition, and once it's all gone, your defensive position very quickly becomes a death trap. Yeah, I guess that's... I mean, I like, I like knowing the name of it. It's, it yeah. made it similar to last year's episode, the episode that we did yeah. most recently, where it's like a defensive position is the strongest position. Right, yeah. So, so you want to keep that, or...? I mean, I like that we know that it's a force multiplier. Okay. So... All right, well, that's four tips. That's not enough. Nope. So we don't have five practical spy tips. Do we have spycraft over violence? I mean, technically. Yeah. Because they spend most of their time embedded in that's both true. scenes. There's a lot of there's a lot of spycraft that is just entrapment. There's a lot of like <laughs> forcing pe people who we have decided that they are bad to do things that they are not planning to do. Like yeah, like these people we have decided they are bad. Nothing that they do in this episode is, like, 
bad in itself for a long period of time. Like, Jimmy was... They arrested Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all just, like, them putting people in these situations. Yeah, it's it's hugely entrapment. But yeah. you know who entrapped them? Spies. Spies. So, yeah, I'll give yeah, them exactly. that. If, if you want to, like, find the difference between spies and, like, cops, is that, like, spies, it's totally okay to have entrapment. Whereas we're cops, it's technically not allowed to have entrapment, even though they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there an alias in this episode? There Rob- was. Robbie Doyle. Robbie Doyle. We got a lot of good accent work. Mm-hmm. And Don. Robbie and Doyle and Don. Yeah, I know. Good shit there. So we got an alias. Mm-hmm. So this is the this is the kicker. All right. Where at least two supporting characters used well. Did Fee get to blow something up via co-protagonist? She got to blow something up. She got to blow up that car. Mm-hmm. And she, we even got a spy tip out of it. It wasn't just like, yeah. she's going to blow up a car. Was Sam peak Bruce Campbell? Sam didn't do anything. Sam did fuck all in this episode. I mean, I guess Sam that's fair had since a last episode is like his yeah, thing. Exactly. Was Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? I feel like this is testing the limits of our, like system where it's about his characterization yeah because he doesn't really that he feels honestly very similar to a michael weston alias in the same scenario yeah especially because we've seen michael weston do this exact scenario where he's gotten someone drunk and then drugged him later in the night and then had him woken up to like wild things i don't think jesse did anything particularly jesse like no i don't think so either which is weird because like jesse aliases tend to be kind of partying type characters Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit like it was a wasted opportunity yeah it does so yeah i don't think i'll give it to him yeah so did madeline was madeline in this i don't think madeline was in this episode yeah i don't think madeline was in this episode at all so nope unfortunately weirdly only fee was used well which is I would, uncommon for a Barrios episode. All right. Uh, no, this ep- it, I will say this episode loves Fee. Mm-hmm. Which was the thing, like, this episode loves looking at Fee. Yeah. Like, this episode really does love the idea of Fee. And I'll give it that. Yeah. And I and I appreciated it for it. All right. So this is not a great episode of Burn Notice. And it was also definitely not a great not episode of Television. <laughs> this is not a good... This is... I mean, again... I had fun. This is one of the f- more fun times I've had with an Alfredo Barrios Jr. episode. Yeah. But if you look at it even a little bit closely, it's like, this doesn't make any fucking sense on any level. And it's and it reminds me a little bit of that episode from, like, last year, a few episodes back, wherein, like, everyone's making a bunch of, like, leaps that go, ex- and, like, big plays that go exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, whereas we liked the last episode because, like, shit went wrong and people were behaving as humans behave. Yeah. And then they had to improvise based on, like, you know, well, we didn't have time to set this up, so it makes sense this weren't badly for us. But this time it's like, ah, yes, we have to blackmail one guy to get the name of the sniper rifle purchaser. Yeah. Got it. Exactly. Whereas, like, everyone is here is acting really suspicious and dumb, and it's always working. hmm Yeah. Like, and it's also one of those things where people are like, this guy is like a big bad guy. We No one ever sees him coming. He's super paranoid. It's so hard to get anyone embedded with him. And Michael Weston walks in and is like, what is the street address for the safe house that we are in? Now may I call someone? May I make a call? Where I tell her, hey, I'm at the street address. Sure wish I had my lucky belt. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it just, it feels like a rehashing of Simon Escher. His name is Simon Escher. He's the Joker, and he doesn't do fucking anything right. interesting. You know, it's like, it's have we so learned nothing weird. from Anson? Apparently not. So yeah, no, this one is bad. Yeah. This is a bad, bad, bad. I mean, it was a fine, fine, fine. 
as my mood trapper tracker would trap it. Is your mood, is your mood tracker would trap it? Yeah, as my mood tracker would trap it. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Well, with that, there's not much else to do other than to say thanks again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find more from Vincent at vincentel.bandcamp.com. Welcome to 2022, everyone. I hope we're alive. Mm-hmm. What if we died? Well, then this episode will still go up because I'll have definitely queued it ahead of time. Yeah, of course. So, hello, we're ghosts. Go-go-go-ghost. It's not Halloween anymore. Did you say Vince's Bandcamp? Yeah. Vincent oh. DL at band, VincentDL.bandcamp.com. I did say it. Okay. Happy right, New Year. I said it again. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.